Welcome to Con Langry, a podcast about constructed languages and the people who create them. I'm George Corley, and there's no interview today. We're just uh, you and me talking about um, a subject that can be in the news at times and a little bit of uh, criticism of something. So when ChatGPT first came out, a bunch of conlangers, including myself, did a little experimentation into it as a conlanging tool. This was mostly something we were trying out for fun without any serious expectations. I certainly wasn't going to use anything from ChatGPT in a conlang, and I definitely won't now, given there are certain ethical issues around that. As it has with many other applications, the AI did pretty poorly at the task. It could give you a description of a language, but the more you asked of it, the more likely it was to make errors. It's simply not an engine designed for generating a language. It's meant to generate text from languages it's trained on. And it does that in a fairly natural way but it doesn't have a mechanism for holding a consistent language system in memory. This is also one reason why I, you can't really tell a coherent story or write your legal brief for you. It's just spitting out text based on a statistical model. It has no connection to reality or even a thought behind what it's doing. I will note that I do work training a large language model. Uh, I can't discuss who my ultimate client is or much about my day-to-day due to confidentiality, but I can say I am familiar with a lot of the problems these models have, and I know enough about what they're doing to make some statements of it. And again, they definitely are not a good solution for making a conlang. With that said, I recently became aware of a paper posted to Archive Computer Science titled Genlangs and Ziff's Law. Do languages generated by ChatGPT statistically look human? Now, immediately on looking at this paper, I have a concern as the byline lists Justin Diamond and ChatGPT. But... I'll get into why that bothers me more later on. Now, this paper seems to have been inspired by a Twitter jab at someone generating a language using ChatGPT. In response to user Johnny Miller's breathless tweet about a paragraph of supposed conlang text with translation and short grammar explanation, Jean-Paul R. Soucy said... Does it even follow Zipf's law, bro? That apparently prompted Diamond to go and do the math on that. That's interesting. I've considered testing actual conlangs created by humans to see how statistically similar they are to natural languages. So I can see where the question would be interesting. However, when reading the paper, it's clear that Diamond is making much, much more out of this than a simple statistical test warrants. I want to focus on Diamond's 
argumentation around the capabilities of ChatGPT to create a language. Uh, let's start with this opening to the abstract. OpenAI's GPT-4 is a large language model that can generate coherent constructed languages or conlangs, which we propose be called genlangs when generated by artificial intelligence. The genlangs created by ChatGPT for this research, Voxfera, Vivencia, and Lumavoxa, each have unique features, appear facially coherent, and plausibly translate into English. This study investigates whether genlangs created by ChatGPT follow Zipf's law. So right from here, Diamond is making a much stronger claim than the fact that what he calls genlangs follow a Zipfian distribution. Instead, he's claiming that these are, in fact, coherent languages. He doesn't give any citation for this, and the paper doesn't actually test whether the languages do anything more than follow one particular statistical distribution that happens to be found in human language. The question that we need to consider is, what does Diamond mean by coherent? To me, this has to mean that the language makes sense in some way. If I see a language described this way, I expect it to be governed by rules I can reconstruct from the text, and I expect it to be consistent. Basically, I would expect to be able to decipher the language to some degree and come up with meanings of words and rules that combine them. I'm not sure you could really call something a coherent language without this. Uh, and indeed, Diamond does claim that the languages, quote unquote, plausibly translate to English. So I believe that the test would be fair. Before we get there, let's start out with methods. Uh, Diamond generated his languages using three prompts. Prompt one, you are LangGPT. Your ambitious task is to invent a brand new language with innovative rules. First, what is the name of this language? Second, write a few paragraphs in this new language with a translation below. Third, describe how this language works in terms of grammar, syntax, and any other relevant rules. Prompt two, can you write me a story in Genlang? and provide a translation. Prompt three, can you write a story that is as long as possible in Genlang? The responses to these prompts were posted as the documentation for these languages. In all three cases, the first prompt resulted in a short paragraph with translation and a few very brief grammar notes. And the other two prompts resulted in a little more translated text. It's worth noting that these prompts themselves are probably not the best. The first prompt particularly does things in the wrong order by asking ChatGPT to generate example text and then give rules. Understand that when generating text like this, an LLM like ChatGPT 
doesn't plan out what it's going to say. It doesn't have any hidden internal process where it could figure out the features of the language. It's just going to generate word by word and what is the most likely word to come next is what it puts next. A moderately better prompt would ask the LLM to make rules for the language and then begin generating text. That way, it could have a description of the language before it starts generating any of it. But more on that later. For now, let's focus on the languages that Diamond generated for his paper and whether they really count as coherent or consistent languages. Let's start with Voxfera. I'm going to start here with the grammatical description of the language and discuss how it relates to the examples. First, Voxfera's grammar notes state that nouns, adjectives, and verbs are all inflected for case, gender, and number. There are four cases, nominative, genitive, dative, and accusative, three genders, masculine, feminine, and neuter, and two numbers, singular and plural. The first problem here is definitional. Verbs cannot be inflecting for case. Case is a grammatical category that indicates the syntactic relationships of a noun. Some cases, including the listed nominative, dative, and accusative, index the role that the noun takes in relation to the verb. Nominative marks the subject of an intransitive verb or the agent of a transitive verb. Accusative marks the direct object of a transitive verb. Dative marks the indirect object of a ditransitive verb. That means there's no reason to mark verbs for these things. It's what a noun does in relation to the verb. Now, Adjectives could agree with noun case, as they do in many Germanic and Slavic languages, but verbs would not, because it wouldn't fit with the way cases work. Both verbs and adjectives can agree with the gender and number of a noun, and the text does later state adjectives agree with the nouns they modify in case, gender, and number. The thing is, I cannot confirm that from the examples given. There's no information on what the morphology actually looks like, and I don't see clear examples of some repeated element that could indicate agreement. Much of what I see cannot really be verified, but some of it is basically vacuous. For example, in the phonology section of the grammar notes for Voxfera, we read, Voxfera has a rich phonemic inventory, including a variety of consonants, vowels, and diphthongs. The language has a melodic quality, with stress typically falling on the penultimate syllable. This may sound impressive to someone who doesn't know any linguistics, but to me, it's a lot of flowery words to convey that, one, there are diphthongs in this language, and Two, stress is usually penultimate. That there are consonants and vowels in the language is something that I would assume anyway, and I don't know what rich means 
in terms of exact size of the inventory. The fact that the phonology and romanization is not explained means that I don't actually know how to pronounce anything. We also read, Voxfera uses an alphabetic script consisting of 24 letters. It is written from left to right with spaces between words and punctuation to indicate sentence boundaries, which is basically just a prompt for the conlanger for a kind of boring writing system since ChatGPT can't currently generate images. And of course, the vocabulary of Voxfera is derived from a combination of natural sources and creative imagination aiming to evoke a sense of wonder and connection with the world around us. Lovely, poetic, absolutely meaningless. If I am being charitable, I could say that this could mean that the language includes both words from natural languages and a priori words. That would be interesting, but I'm not sure that this sentence really means anything. I'm going to circle back to talk more about the sample text later. For now, let's move on to the grammatical description of Vivencia. As soon as we get into any provable statements about Vivencia, it's immediately apparent that it's inconsistent. Under phonology, we see the statement, Vivencia favors a constant vowel syllable structure. Let's look at the first sample text. Note, my pronunciation is my interpretation based on this orthography. Prenso Cavira Lumosa Zimla Jarela Kinbran Alanortu Giclo Vivu Vovra Yaltra Enogislan Cruno Ayabistra Pivo Giclo Yentro Dulara Ziblon Yorostrina giclo eno yaltra canto zovro. Eno zirka sotwe lichta scavu eno vurna drila. Take a moment and count how many coda consonants and consonant clusters you see in that. This is not a language that favors CV syllable structures. There is one instance of a syllable starting with a three-consonant cluster and numerous cases of a coda consonant after the vowel. And this is not the only inconsistency. In another section we read, To express tense, Vivencia uses time markers at the beginning of a sentence. Zovento, past, prenso, present, and futuro, future are the three primary time markers. However, this appears to be immediately violated in the text quoted in the paper. The first line of the translation reads, Once upon a time, in a distant land far to the north, there lived a young boy named Giclo, his sister Yaltra, and their wise grandfather in a small village. However, the first sentence of the Vivencia passage reads, Prenso Cavira Lumoza, Zimla Jarela Kinbran Ala Nortu. Now, the phrase once upon a time is highly idiomatic 
And I would expect a real language to have a radically different expression in its place, of course. But I do not imagine it would be common for it to be marked with present tense. And I especially don't expect it to be explicitly marked when, from the rest of the text, it does not appear these tense markers are present in every sentence. The Vivencia section also mentions logical connectors, eno, and, cliri, but, and orev, or. I'm not sure why the term logical connectors is used when conjunction is perfectly understandable to most people. I'm also not sure why all three of them have two syllables when this is a class of words that tends to be eroded away to something simpler. What is apparent is that their uses are not obvious from the sample text. You can see that while clearly appears to be used once, Eno is all over the place, with no clear indication that it's meaning and in all these cases. This is even more pronounced as we get to the full text, but we'll talk more about that later. It's also noted to have a base 20 numeral system that is simply not given or discoverable from the text. Finally, let's look at the grammar notes of Lumavaxa. Like Voxfera, Lumavaxa is described as having a gender system. Lumavaxa has three genders, feminine, masculine, and neuter. Gender is indicated by the first letter of the noun, Z for feminine, J for masculine, and T for neuter. I just don't see the evidence here. I looked in the sample text in places where nouns should be, and I have not found a clear indication of Z, J, and T indicating a noun. This really should make deciphering the text much easier, as I should be able to identify nouns and then map them to their English equivalent more quickly, but it doesn't appear to. Adjectives are also supposed to agree with noun gender by taking the same gender prefix. But again, I cannot confirm this, even though it should make it easier to decipher the text. Simply take a look at the first sentence of the sample against the translation. Zemira narklovar utaira, grika frova zintis plamar. In the land of beautiful mountains, the trees danced with the wind. If this translation is faithful, and as an example, it ought to be as faithful as possible, we should be able to see two words starting with the same letter, with that letter being either Z, J, or T, because we have here beautiful mountains. We should have beautiful and mountains, the equivalents, start with the first with the same first letter. But none of these words starts with the same prefix at all, even when factoring out the marked U prefixed. Okay, I'm just coming in with a quick correction. I said that none of these words started with the same letter, but I realized once I had the thing on the screen that actually we do have one that has a Z and another that has a Z, Zemira and Zintis. Now, 
these can't really be consistently linked to actual meanings when I get to the uh, examining the rest of the text. So it's still not consistent. And also, the crucial thing about this agreement stuff is that you should have two words next to each other that start with the same letter. And that's not here. And speaking of the U prefix with uh, a hyphen there, this is stated to be the accusative prefix while the genitive is marked with the prefix O. But even though these prefixes are helpfully called out with hyphens, their placement does not seem to jive with where those should occur given the translation and the fact that this is an SVO language. It's also stated that plurals are marked with a suffix S, but again, I look at examples where the English has plural nouns, and I cannot consistently find those nouns in the text. The grammar similarly states tense suffixes and person prefixes on verbs that, again, I cannot find consistent evidence for. You might think that I'm being uncharitable about this, and that maybe in aiming to find whether these languages follow a Zipfian distribution, Diamond isn't really concerned about whether the texts give what the language descriptions promise. But he talks as if he does expect them to. Here is how he describes some noteworthy differences in the languages. Rules like verb conjugation apply differently across all three genlangs. For example, in Voxfera, verbs are conjugated for tense, aspect, and mood. In Vivencia, verbs do not conjugate, and tense is expressed through time markers at the beginning of the sentence. In Lumavaxa, verbs are not conjugated, but tense is indicated by the final letter of the verb instead of a time marker but I can only find evidence for the time markers. And that is inconsistent. Most of what he's discussing here is not relevant. He also calls out himself on the fact that some things are not evidenced in the text. It says, Other novel quirks include Voxfera's 24-letter alphabet, Vivencia's base 20 numbering system, and Lumavox's use of prefixes for noun cases, though these features do not necessarily manifest themselves in the text corpora. He states these as facts about the languages while admitting there is no evidence for them. Even trying to be charitable and claim that Vivencia could theoretically have some base 20 numbers that are unconfirmed and Voxfera's alphabet is also hypothetical, in the 1,000 words of story text Diamond generated with ChatGPT, there absolutely should be evidence of case prefixes present. This already puts a significant dent in the idea that these languages are consistent and coherent. Clearly, they are not consistently reflective of the grammar notes that are generated for them at least. But is it true that, as Diamond puts it, Voxfera, Vivencia, and Lumavaxa each have unique features 
appear facially coherent and plausibly translate into English. Well, there's a way to determine that. We have our Rosetta Stone in the form of prompts and responses given by the AI. We should be able to compare the text to their translations and pull out meaningful words, which would let us do a proper analysis of the text. To do this, I downloaded the full thousand word text with translations for comparison. It's all on GitHub. There's a link in his paper to that. At first, I broke the text down into sentences, but that proved to be a problem as every single one of the Genlang texts had more sentences than its English translation. Voxfera had the biggest difference, though I tried to adjust by aligning by the titled parts. Unfortunately, it wasn't possible for the other two languages. Now, being charitable, a different number of sentences in the original versus the translation is not necessarily a sign that they're not actually parallel. Different languages use punctuation differently, and as I was using periods to distinguish sentences, that could have an effect. I have actually found this effect naturally when reading Chinese, as they sometimes split sentences at different points than I would. So I aligned the words instead paragraph for paragraph, which ended up matching exactly in in terms of number of paragraphs. With my text aligned, I took a look at how they matched up again. All three texts had proper nouns that appeared to be the same in both original and translation, so that looked like an ideal place to start checking. I found that in all three cases, proper names were inconsistent across original and translation. Sometimes the name would occur more times on one side than the other. Other times it would occur on one side and not the other. There can be a little leeway if it's in the original but not in the translation, as the name could also be a regular word in the language. But when it occurs in English and not in the text not even as a plausible inflected form, that's suspicious. I also did a cursory check in each language to match up a regular content word from English with some translation. Forest for Voxfera and Vivencia, and trees for Lumavoxa. This failed in all three languages. While I do not expect translations to be exactly word for word, I do expect to find a somewhat stable translation, at least if the translation is meant to be very faithful. Without being able to find a matchup between words, these languages are undecipherable. And when I say this, this is not like me, this is not me like inventing rules. This is how we decipher unknown languages. 
this is how ancient Egyptian was deciphered from the Rosetta Stone, by matching up words from a known language. In that case, it was uh, ancient Greek, comparing it to the unknown language and finding places where you can match up one word to another word. I took special note in Vivencia of the tense markers and conjunctions that were listed in the description. Expanding out to the full text, I found that Prenso systematically applied to past tense sentences. Remember, Prenso is supposed to be present. So that indicates that it doesn't actually have a present tense meaning. Interestingly, Futuro did in fact get linked to the phrase in the future several times, even though those sentences in English were generally past tense, resulting in somewhat weird sentences. Uh, so there seems to be an issue in generating the English in that case. However, it wasn't consistent. And I saw Futuro even in a sentence translated to start once upon a time. So in comparing the parallel texts, I found that none of these languages was consistent with its English translation, and none of them could be deciphered. That they were inconsistent with their own grammatical descriptions is understandable now, as it seems quite clear that for things like affixes and functional words, there couldn't be any consistency because the Genlang's texts contain no content. ChatGPT did not generate languages, it generated vaguely language-shaped gibberish. You can see this pretty clearly at the end of the paper, where the author includes an L.L. Zamenhof quote in Esperanto, English, and his three Genlangs. The quote contains the word language twice in the English, which is reflected in the Esperanto with the word lingvo. But in the Genlangs, only one has a word appearing twice in plausible locations for language. Lumavaxa has yorvo. With my other testing, this looks like it happened by chance, as there aren't any other consistencies in the other Lumavaxa texts. Also note that Vivencia does actually have what is apparently the Latin word lingua, but it occurs only once in the quote. Remember that Diamond wrote that these are facially coherent. This is something that he says a few times in the paper, while other times he just calls them coherent. Facially coherent is not a linguistic term as far as I know. So my guess is that he means that they appear coherent at first glance. But even given that, I don't know how you can claim that 
when this one short translation shows that they do not appear to be consistently translating at all. Again, a reminder that the author claimed these languages were consistent and coherent. He apparently made these claims without putting in much effort into deciphering them, because just a cursory look shows that they are not consistent at all, and the texts are not actually consistent with their translations. I challenge anybody to download these texts and attempt to decipher the languages in any consistent way. Forget the grammar notes and just Rosetta Stone them. See if you can come up with enough consistencies to translate some of your own texts into one of the Genlangs. My bet is that you won't be able to. Go get them from the GitHub link and give it a try. So what about the actual findings of the paper? Well, let's review what a Zipfian distribution is. Broad strokes, Zipf's law is an observation about word frequencies. For any given corpus, the frequency of a word is proportional to its rank in frequency. That is, when you rank the words by frequency, the second most common word will be half as frequent as the most common word. The third most common will be one-third as common as the most common word, and so on. It's proportional to their rank as you list them by frequency. Now, it is currently common for linguists to use a modified version of this equation called the Zipf-Mandelbrot law, which adds an extra term beta, beta equal to 2.7, which fits language better, a little better. The difference here is probably not all that damaging. The, the Zipf-Mandelbrot distribution might have been better to check specifically when studying language phenomena, but it's not a major issue. And the paper does appear to succeed in showing that the Genlangs are close to a Zipfian distribution. But that doesn't mean all that much. For one thing, it's not something that's really exclusive to language. Power laws like Zipf's law occur in a lot of different places. They pop up in economics, physics, biology, etc. With a quick look, you can find applications to the sizes of cities or the sizes of galaxy clusters. You can find it partially fits the popularity of baby names and very clearly fits the popularity of passwords. Please choose unique passwords. The fact is, if you take a biased die, one that's more likely to roll some numbers than others, then use that to roll on a table of words. Then the list of words you generate with that die will follow a Zipfian distribution. Basically, it's something you can expect to find anytime you are measuring some quantity that varies randomly, whether it's frequency, size, popularity, anything. Which is to say that while a Zipfian distribution looks more language-like than an even distribution, it's not all that much by itself. Frankly, this is the aspect of 
language that I would most expect a stochastic system like an LLM to generate. ChatGPT is made of statistics, so it makes sense that it could do that. But this doesn't really show that ChatGPT made a language. Rather, as I said, what ChatGPT produced here is some vaguely language-shaped gibberish. I did decide to check some proper names as an aside. Uh, the reason for this was that the Voxfera text included the name Sylvanus, which seemed a bit peculiar. There's nothing particularly romance-like or Latin-like that I can see in the language, and yet it had this name with the epithet Guardian of the Forest. At first, my thoughts went to the Warcraft character, but apparently there is also a Roman minor deity, Silvanus, which is, of course, a god of forests. Now, collisions are going to happen. There are around 7,000 languages, and they all have thousands of words, but you don't necessarily want a collision like this. And I think a human conlanger would avoid such an obvious connection unless they had some world-building reason for it or a client was committed to the name. A chatbot does not have internal reasons for these things. It just generates text. I checked the other names that occurred in the text in the paper. Most of them appeared to be pulled from real names. Krenos is a real surname. Yaltra appears to be a tiny town in Greece. Jiklo is a Hindu name, and Zafira is an Arabic name. They could be accidental collisions, though the spelling of Zafira makes it more likely the AI pulled it from a real name. The funniest apparent coincidence was Preniva, which apparently could be from an SNL skit about a fictional bone loss drug. Getting serious for a second, one thing I really do want to move back to is the framing of this paper. As I stated earlier, Diamond does seem to be claiming that ChatGPT is doing something it isn't capable of when he claims these languages are consistent and coherent. There is no evidence of that in the paper, and it's not appropriate to claim that when the only thing the paper shows is a Zipfian distribution. I also mentioned that he lists ChatGPT as a co-author. Let me quote what he says about his decision to credit the AI on the paper. Although the substance of this paper was written entirely by a human, ChatGPT contributed by generating innovative languages with a large corpora of text and assisting in the creation of matplotlib figures cited throughout. Accordingly, we is the pronoun used throughout this paper. Let's just set aside that this is not a large corpus in the grand scheme of things. A few thousand words isn't much when Millions is common, and billion word corpora exist. By using we through the paper and giving ChatGPT an author credit, 
Diamond is implicitly including the chatbot in things it fundamentally cannot do. ChatGPT cannot hypothesize or conclude. If this were a satirical paper, that would be one thing, but it seems that it's otherwise serious. And this crediting of ChatGPT as a co-author, rather than citing it as a tool made by OpenAI, combined with the false claims about the languages, makes me think Diamond is prone to anthropomorphism here. To be clear, I am an AI trainer. I am not a researcher, but I have communicated with NLP researchers about this paper, and I do have a good general understanding of how large language models work. Basically, it's a statistical model built by analyzing a large corpus of text taken from the internet. Uh, it develops a complex model of the statistical relationships between words and uses that to predict what the next word is likely to be based on this model. When you ask ChatGPT a question or give it a prompt, it is essentially predicting what the next turn in the conversation would look like if you were talking to a human. There are, of course, things that it's deliberately trained to say. Trainers try to root out instances where the chatbot gives you false information or implies that it is human, or where the chatbot says something that could lead you to harm yourself, etc. But at the root, it's essentially autocomplete for conversation. And really, seeing you know, the kinds of errors that these models still make it hasn't been entirely successful, the training to tackle these problems here. One thing that's important to note here is that on a fundamental level, a large language model does not know what words mean. It has an enormous database of relationships between words and can construct grammatical sentences using those words. But words don't just have meaning by themselves. The meaning of a word comes from a human being associating that word with our experience of things in the real world. You know what a tree means because at some point you learn to associate the word with an actual tree that you saw outside. You can see it, you can touch it, you can hear the wind in its leaves. And even if the word is for something not real or that you haven't perceived yourself, like elf, you have enough experience with the real world to construct an idea of what an elf would be based on your knowledge of things like humans, ears, etc. An LLM does not have that. ChatGPT is not linked to any kind of sensory equipment to even experience the real world outside of its model. It's only recently that they've ha even had experimental image processing for it. For the most part, it lives in a world of words, just abstract symbols that it cannot link to anything the way you and I do. And I think 
that is a major factor in why these genlangs fail at being languages. ChatGPT can sometimes translate between languages it has been trained on because it can build the same structure of associations between words of different languages. In fact, machine translation has been built on similar techniques for decades now. But without an understanding of what words mean and without having genuine creativity, it can't come up with an original language. It can't build those statistical correlations without input data. So it ends up creating this vaguely language-shaped gibberish. Not having a connection between words and reality probably also contributes to the issue where it can generate sample text that blatantly contradicts its canned description of the language. So ultimately, yes, this paper indicates that when asked to generate a language, the output that ChatGPT gives shows one statistical commonality with human language. But beyond that, the text is not coherent or meaningful at all. Now, before making a full conclusion, I did decide to make one test on my own. Purely for research purposes, I created a prompt to first generate the language by giving me a description, then generating example texts. As I mentioned earlier, Diamond's prompt failed to take into account that ChatGPT does not plan what it is doing. It only generates text word by word. By having it come up with features of the language beforehand, I was testing whether it would do better with this different prompt. Here's the exact text of my prompt. Describe to me the basic features of a new conlang, then produce a short paragraph of text with translation. As you can see, it came up with a basic phoneme inventory, a tiny bit of morphology, and even some lexical material. And the example does follow the rules, mostly. You can see that though the word for world is munta, it produced muntas in the example, but this S suffix isn't given in the grammar sketch above, so why is it being inserted? Now, something like that I could use. I could say it's some kind of copular suffix, since there isn't an overt copula. But as I went further, it eventually broke down. Uh, at first, it was very reluctant to build anything particularly complex, or go far beyond its pre-established lexicon. Asking it to write a paragraph, it produced four simple sentences. These are a little strange. There's an explanation about introducing a concept of location, but that explanation is confusing. There's also a stray lino where the English doesn't say person, and I'm not sure it's easy to justify in the Lingtra text. When prompted to write a short story, 
The chatbot added a few new words and established some structure, and it remained mostly consistent if you allow for some creative interpretation, like clest, beautiful, apparently also means happy, which isn't a stretch. However, when I asked it to give a longer text, things really started to break down. I asked for a 200-plus word story, and it gave me 97 words that started really getting weird. In paragraph two, it used the second person pronoun where it should have used the third person. Uh, apparently with this top suffix I'm unsure about and later used the first person pronoun where it should have used third person. It also used no less than four recognizable English words. This breakdown in consistency is enough to not choose this as a conlanging tool right out of the gate. But those English words point to another tendency I saw in this example. It really seems to be pulling at least most of its words from other sources. I recognize lots of roots from other languages. It seems to default to an Esperanto-like strategy of sourcing words from various languages it's trained on. And that's not really a strategy every conlanger is going to be after. I don't have the time to do this work, but it would not surprise me if every single word in all of these genlangs is pulled from some language the model is trained on. Before closing out, I want to note something from the discussion of the paper. Diamond proposes some more research on Jinlangs with the example of whether their ZIF curves can be manipulated by training data. I am not sure of the usefulness of this area, and given what I've seen, the most interesting linguistic properties of Jinlangs are really the ways they fail to produce coherent languages. But this particular paragraph is striking. Given the coherence of Genlang's currently being created by ChatGPT, we believe that with human assistance, AI technology is already capable of developing the world's first fully functional Genlang. It is beyond the scope of this paper to speculate about which attributes this Genlang should have. Nonetheless, we believe that Genlang's could have many applications and uses if optimized in the right ways. To put it bluntly, this assertion is simply not true. ChatGPT's attempts at conlanging are not really consistent or coherent at all. It's certainly not enough to create a fully functional language. I understand that Diamond is very excited about this test but it absolutely does not prove what he seems to think it proves. Remember the tweet that inspired this paper. Does it even follow Ziff's law, bro? Does it even? As in, does it do this bare minimum thing? A Ziffian distribution is just one very basic expectation we would expect from linguistic text. By itself, it means basically nothing about the validity or coherence of a language. 
To show that, you actually need to sit down and show us you can decipher this with consistent word meanings and grammatical structures. And as far as I've seen, ChatGPT doesn't really do that. And really, I don't much expect it to. The bottom line is that ChatGPT is not built for generating languages. Maybe you could use it for idea generation, but it's not even designed for this job. ChatGPT is for generating plausible text in the languages it's trained on. Conlanging is not really recommended. If you want some automation, there are specialized tools for some parts of conlanging. And they don't even need machine learning algorithms. Awkwards and Lexifer are good for generating words. Gleb will spit out random phonologies. But really, your own human mind or the mind of a human expert who has studied enough linguistics is indispensable in creating a usable conlang. That may change in the future, but I don't think LLMs are going to be doing conlanging anytime soon. Uh, anyway, thank you for listening to this somewhat ranty episode. Hopefully it has been useful and hopefully I have uh, debunked some of the more credulous claims in this paper. With that, I'm going to say, hope to see you next time, and happy conlanging. Special thanks to my patrons on Patreon. If you go over there right now, you can get early access to episodes, you can get access to scripts for my solo episodes, and you can go get access to exclusive polls for Tongues and Runes. Thank you to... Cassandra Woodhouse, Miles Ronovich, Jake Penny, Artifexian, Nicholas Norblot, Viren Patrick, Eloy Varjana Mentuleum, Sigourney Hunter, Sylvia Sotomayor, Connor Stewart Rowe, Jeremiah, Anthony Dosimo, Jack Keynes, Grackagrunk, Grammar Antifa, Kay, Kenan Kigunda, Mintaka, Alexis Hugelman, and Jesse. Conlangery's theme music is by Null Device. Conlangery is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share Alike 4.0 International License.